Our scripture this morning comes from Zephaniah 1, 7 through 13. <clears throat> Be silent before the Lord of Lord God, for the day of the Lord is near. The Lord has prepared a sacrifice and consecrated his guests. And on the day of the Lord's sacrifice, I will punish the officials and the king's sons and all who array themselves in foreign attire. On that day, I will punish everyone who leaps over the threshold and those who fill their master's house with violence and fraud. On that day, declares the Lord, a cry will be heard from the fish gate, a wail from the second quarter, a loud crash from the hills. Wail, O inhabitants of the mortar, for all the traders are no more. All who weigh out silver are cut off. At that time, I will search Jerusalem with lamps, and I will punish the men who are complacent, those who say in their hearts, the Lord will not do good, nor will he do ill. Their goods shall be plundered and their houses laid waste. Though they build houses, they shall not inhab inhabit them. Though they plant vineyards, they shall not drink wine from them. This is the word of the Lord. Have you watched this movie called The Fugitive? Anyone? Oh, I'm glad that some of you watched. Actually, Harrison Ford is my, one of my favorite actors back in the days. And he was the main character for Dr. Richard Kimball, who was falsely accused of murdering his wife and became a fugitive. Dr. Kimball had to run away from the U.S. Marshal to prove his justice. Let's think about it. Isn't it irony that we have to run away from justice for justice? Right? We have to prove ourselves to be justified. Because our justice, our law is external. We are not the law. We abide the law. That's why. And I think there are fugitive Christians too. They're saying they're searching for God, searching for justice of God, but they're running away from God, the justice of God. Why? The same. Because God is external. But God always desires to be internal, indwelling within us. Let us be the law. Let us be the justice. Not just abide the law. Is God in you? People say, we search for God all over the place. But we couldn't find him. They wonder 
if God is out there somewhere, why don't God do anything for our troubles? Where's God? Where's God you're looking for? You know what? God is standing right before us. Always, God is right before us. But we can't see him. Because we just covered our eyes and blocked our ears and just keep running away from God. To meet God, Jephaniah suggests, be silent before the Lord, God. Be silent before the Lord, God. You know, other Bible says, be still, be still. Know that I'm the Lord. Because the day of the Lord is near. What does it mean by be silent before the Lord? It means having the awe of God, the reverence of God, acknowledging that we are the finite, are standing before the infinite God. We're stuck in our chronos, our time here. But we are facing the kairos, the God, in eternity. But we're stuck here because our gain motivates us. We're always motivated by our self-interest, our gain. Then we can see the truth. We can see God. Even we are facing God. When we want God to be external, external, we can see God. And people say, there is no God, and God is dead. So they live like, do like there is no God. Do whatever they desire to do. Then how can we be still and silent before God? We can be still, we can be silent before God many ways. In our prayer, in our meditation, in our silence, solitude, and even fasting. But above all, we make it as our routine, our ritual, worship, the Sabbath, or for us, the Lord's Day. Through worship, we can be still and silent before God. Sabbath means, the worship means be still and stop to be reconnected. Reconnected to God so that we know who God is and who we are. 
Zephaniah said, The Lord has prepared a sacrifice and consecrated his guests. Zephaniah described the day of the Lord, the judgment day, as the day of worship, day of a sacrifice. Because the worship itself is a process of purification by giving offering. Because we can die, so we take this offering, the atonement, to sacrifice for us, to purify us. Then today, I our worship, who is, what is the sacrifice? Who is the sacrifice? Jesus Christ. We, we believe, we know that Jesus Christ took our sin and died our death. So we are transformed from sacrifice to the guests. We are consecrated by Jesus Christ. So we are worshipers, not the offerings. But in the Old Testament, before Jesus, people had to sacrifice animals and they had to share. They share the sacrifice. The meat. You can't eat a whole cow by yourself, right? They have to finish the eating sacrifice within three days. So it means the true intention of God's sacrifice, worship, was sharing the food with the all people, the whole community. That was worship, the day of a sacrifice. As for sharing the food with the food poor and needy, the margins of the society, there was shalom, peace, there was a joy, and there was a gratitude in worship. That is the day of a sacrifice. But people of Judah... They despised those poor and needy and excluded them from worship. What about our worship today? What do we share through our worship? Are we sharing Jesus Christ, the sacrifice, Jesus Christ with the people? That's why I always encourage you to actually worship start at the end of worship on Sunday. Your worship on Monday through Saturday. Our worship begins on Sunday, but worship ends on Saturday. And you come back reconnected to God and go back to your place and you share, you worship, you sharing the gospel to Jesus Christ with the especially those margins of the community. Is there joy? Is there gratitude in our worship? Or we just celebrate our own salvation. Thank goodness, thank God you saved me. Amazing grace. And we just keep asking for our blessing, blessing for us, my family, my problem, fix my problems. Then 
what is different from worship idol in church. We are making, if we just asking for our blessing, for my problem, that we making our Yahweh, our God, as idol. Jeponiah said, On the day of the Lord's sacrifice, I will punish the officials and the king's sons and all who array themselves in foreign attire. God's sacrifice are the military leaders, like generals and political leaders. And everyone maybe those rich people, everyone who accepted foreign pagan cultures and their religion and perspectives into their life, into their faith. Why? Why God make them as a sacrifice? What is wrong with embracing other culture, other religion, and other perspectives? We're supposed to, Right? What is wrong with being stable, at least? We don't want, nobody wants to be poor. And we want to be, actually, we want to be powerful and rich. There's a reason. There's a reason. It doesn't show some of the technical difficulty. I put, actually, I put the picture of, um, uh, pagan God there, but anyway. So the Lord said, On that day I will punish everyone who rips over the threshold, those who fill their master's house with violence and fraud. The people of Judah, they worship this idol called Dagon, like a, a half man and then half a fish, looks like. The Dagon is Philistine God, but everywhere, Mesopotamia and Babylon, Assyria, everywhere they worship Dagon because Dagon, they believe, promising prosperity. It's money they worshiped. It is a tradition of a Dagon worshippers. They rip, rip over the threshold at the temple. That's why Japanese said that. And they worship both Yahweh, our Lord, and Dagon together in Judah. And what is wrong with that? We need money. What is wrong with the desiring prosperity? Why does God condemn those desire prosperity? It is a huge challenge for Christians because we need money. We need to save up money for our retirement. Right? We need security. Stability. Then why does God say that we rob others with violence and fraud? Here's why. Idol, idol desires from people, offering, 
idol desires offering from people. No matter what, how people live, don't care. Idol desires offering money from people. There's no morality in their faith. But our God Yahweh, our God Yahweh desires justice and righteousness, mercy, grace from people more than the offering. How many many times God says in the Bible, I'll be disgusted. The smoke of your incense and your sacrifice, I'll be disgusted because there's no mercy and grace in your worship. You serve with your lips, but your heart is far, far away. Without knowing the heart of God, without looking what is God is looking, we cannot worship because it's not going to be accepted. The problem is because God demands mercy and grace and love for others because God created us, everyone, with the meaning and purpose being treated with the respect and grace and love. But I, idol worshippers consider others as a means of fulfilling their desires, their needs. There's no purpose, there's no meaning from others. That is insulting to God. That is a fundamental violation of the principle of creation because we are created with a purpose and meaning and all because God made us. We must have all of people, not only God, but all from people. But idol worshipers they do not have that all of people. Remember, there's no one, no one we can kick around with our reverence. Because we are all God made. Everyone is God made. Even though they are not Christian, even though they don't believe God, they are made by God. I affirm. I affirm. I dare. I affirm that if anyone despises others, treat others without respect, they are not believers. Despising people means despising God who created them. That's how serious. And the Lord said, on that day a cry will be heard from the fish gate, a wail from the second quarter, a loud crash from the hills. Well, O inhabitants of Mortar, for all the traitors are no more 
all who weigh out silver are cut off. All these places represent the place of a trade, merchant, commerce, business, the economy. Today, where, where, from where you hear the cry, we're watching every day on news innocent people being killed in Ukraine. And but our concern is gas price, inflation. Declining our economy. We just blame that country. As we know, millions of people die and it's still dying from pandemic. What we care, what we really care is the economy. But on the day of the Lord, but on the day of the Lord, everyone will confess all is a vanity. Our economy. Dow Jones, 401k, whatever, all the money, the prosperity is a vanity. Everyone will cry out and confess that all is vanity. So what should we cry for? Recovering economy? Ending the pandemic? No, we must cry for what God cried for. God crying for, searching for the fugitive Christians who keep running away from God. And God cry out for us to welcome the margins of our community who think they are not welcomed to worship. And we must cry. We must cry for the absence of morality in our society. And we must cry. We must cry. Church must cry for the absence of holiness in church and Christian life. And the Lord declared, At the time... I will search Jerusalem with lambs, and I will punish the men who are complacent. Those who say in their heart, the Lord will not do good, nor will he do ill. You know what? The Lord is not just searching for the fugitive to perish, punish. But also the Lord is searching for the remnant, the people, to save so because we, to, to be those people, the remnant be the conduit to manifest God by doing justice and righteousness of God. Friends, let's not complacent with our status quo. I go to church every Sunday. I even joined Pastor DJ's Bible study. I do that my da- daily devotion. I think I'm good enough. No. We have to run. 
It's like this. I don't know, have you ever tried to kayaking up, going upstream? If you don't um, paddle, you, you have to keep paddling. Otherwise, you can go upstream. That's our faith. That's our faith journey here on earth. Sometimes we just maintain our position. If we just stop paddling, then we're going downstream. Let's not trust ourselves. Let's not trust our economy. Let's not trust our power and knowledge and experience, but trust in God and keep running towards God. Sisters and brothers in Christ, are you a fugitive searching for God, searching for truth, searching for answers for your problems? Then be still. Be silent before God. And God is right in front of us. Think about it. How amazing is that? How amazing is that we are finite. We are just dust in the universe. But God, somehow God so loved us and gave us the meaning and purpose for eternity. The eternal, to be an eternal being. To the eyes of the world, we are just dust. But for God, we are very special. We are meaning to Him. We are purpose for Him. We become eternal by Jesus Christ. Jesus consecrated us to be the guest of his feast. So we come, we can come and eat and, sh- and share and be joyful and grateful with others, with everyone, regardless who they are. We are guests. We are guests. You are sitting in the feast of God. That's what we celebrate here for the heavenly banquet. We are celebrating every Sunday. Then we should invite people, others, the fugitives in the world, to our feast, our worship, to your life, to my life. I told you before, in my Bible study. By the way, we'll have uh, the last Bible study on this Wednesday. I told you the Bible study people that to, it's both ways. To God, closer to God, you go to closer to people. And to bring people to closer to God, you bring people to close to you. We always through, go through people, go through God to other people. And people will go to God through us. If you go to closer to other people, then you are closer to God. 
Amen. Don't be fugitive. We don't have to search. There are people out there and you can find God from them. The day of the Lord is near. Amen.